This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. The following episode is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hi, my name's Natasha Tolleton-Brown. I'm from Bloomberg, Bloomberg Media. Um, I work on the custom content creative side. And content is one big puzzle. And I like puzzles. Um, it's basically where the brand intersects with the audience. And it's basically my job to try and grease the wheels for content to make sure that it ticks all of the boxes, that it's leveraged and repurposed in every possible way to ensure that it really drives a point of view for our audiences. It's not about how pretty it is or how much product you show in your content or talk about in your content. It's really how you can drive a conversation with it and what's your take on it and how you can bring community around talking about it. There's some news that was released recently about an agency model from Bloomberg. If you're creating the content, how do you maintain the authenticity if the content is created by you, then it's aired by you, it's distributed by you? How does how does that flow? From New York City, you're listening to Content Is Your Business, conversations with industry leaders and influencers covering the strategy and innovation of brand storytelling. Produced by Mouth Media Network, powered by Sennheiser, and brought to you by 24-7 Talent, the leading creative recruitment firm. Your hosts for this episode are Dahlia Strum, Lisa Berger, and Edward Hertzman. excited to welcome our guest today. So good to be here and thank you for the introduction. Um, I describe myself as part content geek and part business builder. Really. I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm as you said, I'm the content person that puts business first and that's actually pretty unique. Um, but what, what does that actually mean at Bloomberg? It means I have a bit of a dual existence. Um, Part of that existence is working with the custom content creative team, uh, making sure everything runs smoothly, that our advertisers are happy and, uh, you know, and that we're actually creating amazing content. Um, but then also helping to build a new business, which really is going to take Bloomberg Media into a new area entirely. So part business builder, part content creator. Um, and then in a previous life, I ran visual media for Bloomberg, which um, was all the video and the photos that you see across all of the sites. So content creation, content curation, content delivery, content monetization, um, So clearly you love content. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then way, way, way back, I was a photographer for many years, um, working in various conflict zones and working with breaking news. And I think, you know, disruption and expecting the unexpected comes quite naturally to me. So I think the state the content business is in today actually feels quite comfortable to me. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Dealing with the unexpected. Yeah. So Natasha, there's some news that was released recently about an agency model. Do you want to tell us about that? And what yeah, does that look like? it's exciting stuff. Um, it speaks directly to the state that the agency world is really in and also the publisher world as well. Um, talking about, or, or it really kind of grinds home the point that publishers can really be anything they want right now because the market is so disrupted and the agency world is so broken, um, and needs to so desperately change because it's so resource heavy and so this, the margins are just so low. Um, you know, everyone's trying to do a bit of everything. 
media agencies are trying to become media companies um, or publishers. Consultancies are hoovering up agencies so that they have the capabilities across the board and across the spectrum. Publishers are creating agencies, buying agencies. But what we have decided to do and disrupt is uh, disrupting is in our DNA at Bloomberg. It's pretty much to go head to head with the consultancies. So we believe that we have the depth of intelligence within our organization and we have all the platforms and we have an agency already um, to be able to solve brand problems at such a supremely high level, incredibly tactical, very strategic, that we want to build a strategic brand consultancy that at a CMO level, the C-suite level, really helps brands understand the problems that they need to solve and make sure they're trying to solve for the right ones so in Natasha, creative ways. I, Natasha, I hate to be the one that asks this question, but I understand the economics and the need to evolve as a media company. But as a global, um, as a global powerhouse and millions of people around the world look to Bloomberg every single day for your financial data, for your financial news and editorial to make informed business decisions, are you concerned that in order to offset some of the declining advertising dollars out there that this gray area between paid content or branded content will start to dilute the editorial integrity of the business? And you know, um, being such a trade organization and trade-focused organization, is it more complicated for you to execute this than, let's say, a consumer-facing publication like a BuzzFeed or someone else like that? Yeah, without without doubt it is. And we're that's always first and foremost in our minds. You know, it's church and state. And that's why a lot of organizations are completely separating out in different buildings. I think Vice and Virtue are in two totally separate buildings um, to actually really make that distinction very, very clear. But... It's not new in the world of advertising to have a publisher creating branded content. And I think our audiences are, they're advanced, they're smart. They understand the difference between advertising and breaking news and can therefore digest the content in complete understanding that the two aren't being mixed. But what about the economics behind this model? You know, as opposed to having a salesman just sell an ad or a saleswoman sell an ad, you stick it on the website, you stick it in the page of a magazine. Now you have to employ editors, creative directors. There's a lot more that goes into creating this content than just selling a, a banner space per se. So the margin, the economics behind this, do you think anyone has really figured out the actual commerce side of this? We understand that now people want this. It's the, the next evolution of advertising, if you will. But is it a profitable business or is it still – the Wild West, so we don't know what's to come. <laughs> I would absolutely call it the Wild West. But I do think that the reason we're seeing the, this consolidation of media properties is the economics of resources, hardware. You know, Bringing all of those pieces together is the only way it's viable. Um, like I said, the agency model is just so broken that um, tech is replacing many of the jobs. AI is replacing a lot of the jobs. But what that is doing as well, um, it's freeing up the creatives and freeing up manpower to put in other places. That's kind of where the economics of this will even out. I mean, when you talk about an agency model, though, can you see Bloomberg or other organizations like yourself one day recommending to clients and brands 
media outlets beyond your own as part of a, as part of a marketing strategy if yeah, absolutely. And that's that's absolutely the goal here. Wanting to be a consultant doesn't necessarily mean we want to go head to head with the agencies. That's a business that no one wants to get in into. Um, what we would like to do, and we are doing actually, is partnering with existing agencies or new agencies of records for the brands and the clients and helping them. So it really is a collaboration. The agencies are having to become more porous and more collaborative because they have to and we are there with um you know the ability to execute on content if need be but if not just strategize and make sure we're solving the right problem but is the content the- proprietary to bloomberg or will you create a campaign for let's not name anyone but let's say a financial institution can they go ahead and use that content across across multiple publications the financial times the economist if you're acting as a consultant or an agency whatever the new word will be in mm-hmm. six months from now, um, if you're creating that for them, is the idea that it lives beyond Bloomberg or is it Bloomberg exclusive? Um, it can live on our properties and it can live on the client's properties as well. So you mentioned the workforce. Um, what does the future workforce look like at Bloomberg with this model? With this model, uh, so specifically talking about the media operation, um, strategy skills are really what is needed. Um, but as with the whole media industry, you're seeing new titles and demand for new types of job, you know, chief experience officer. Um, Probably one of my favorite titles. <laughs> <laughs> Quite. Um, data, chief data officers, all of this, they're becoming re- generic parts of the business that you can't ignore and you have to kind of wrap your arms around it and make sure that that is embedded at every um what should someone study point. today? Like, what should your major be? Well, quite. I mean, data science? Well, <laughs> I, think, I think to your point, Eddie, is that um, <clears throat> I've been having these conversations with the Harvards, Columbia's, Wharton's, and really it's looking at the skills of engineers and um, mathematicians, and math- right? Mathematics, yep. and it's really kind of going back to that core skill set and just, um, and even someone coming out of a retail background, media and retail seem to be correlating very well right now. Um, but yeah, the data is going to be so important. Revenue, you know, chief revenue officers, chief data, um, and the experience. That's a new title that we continue to see. But um, I think and we can't forget the storytellers, right? Those are probably the most important pieces to the puzzle because without the storytellers, nobody can build that emotional connection. So is, is that the evolution of a journalist, though? That as as the big the big publishing houses, you know, lay off. Traditional editors and journalists, are they going in-house? Are they working for branded agencies or are they working in-house at brands to create that story? Would you say, Lisa, that's how you're seeing the transition of the workforce? I mean, uh, from a creative point of view, it's um, it's not your traditional um, – designer that can fit into one of these roles they have to have like the secret like um, magic per se you know what's the pixie dust of making the story come alive like to get to the core of the story um i was talking to a creative director recently where he didn't go to ad school or film school um it's just kind of like in his dna and i think that's what's really hard about the hiring process right now with these creatives and even strategists is um it's coming from experience and i guess that's to your point um you know it, that seems to be uh, a trend um but it's it's hard to hire for and it's hard to spot unless you mm. see the work and um 
I do have to say that's why externally I think that I understand why more and more bloggers are getting jobs easier because they understand how to build emotional connections with people, right? I think that more so than ever before, um, we're starting to look at social media to get a full understanding of somebody's background, of like, <coughs> excuse me, of their personality, um, and how they're really able to storytell their experiences. And when you take that to the next level, you can do that for a brand. It's just readapting the story, right? Yeah. So one yeah. of the things, you know, uh, being a publisher as well, I'm just about five zeros less than Bloomberg um, uh, personally and professionally. But, um, you know, one of the things that, that I that I, I don't want to say struggle with, but, you know, when you go into a, a Google um, Analytics or you go into DoubleClick, it's very easy to say this is your impressions, this is your clicks, and give a report to a client. When you talk about social media, when you talk about branded content, now you're talking about engagement. You're talking about shares. You're talking about – it's difficult. It, you're starting to talk about intangible value and how do you communicate to a client that this is a very, very effective campaign. I mean I argue with my clients. I said, first of all, when I watch a commercial, I can't click and buy a car off the TV, but you have no grievance advertising there. So why am I being judged on how many clicks an ad gets? So if someone creates a great piece of content, okay, it may only get X number of views, but what about how many shares it has? How many people are posting that on LinkedIn? How many people are posting that on Medium? How many people are, put, are retweeting it? How do you even track all of that to go back to a client and say, look, this is the reach and the value? How do you, how do you, how do yeah. you quantify that? But I'm really interested to hear whether what you're seeing right now are more clients wanting insights over those straight metrics. I mean, it's a really, really slow shift, but we're finding that as long as we're listening and watching, the clients who are heavily embedded probably spend quite a lot with us, but those long tail relationships where they're actually prepared to try. So I struggle because I'm, I'm a strict B2B publishing house. Yeah. So unfortunately, or fortunately, a lot of my clients need to, they rely on us because if you're a shipping company, a sourcing company, a manufacturing company, you can't put a billboard in Times Square. So we could evolve much slower than a traditional publishing house um, or a consumer publication will that relies on Snapchat and Instagram and all these other uh, – because they're competing against uh, influencers and other traditional yeah. or non-traditional mm -hmm. uh, you know, media verticals. So for us, it's a little bit different, but I think the difficulty that we're seeing is it's costing me more and more money to create the same advertiser, has more, the same budget or more budget. But the amount of money that I have to invest to give them what they want it continues to increase and the amount of time that it takes. And the thing is when you're creating that content, you know, you, you made an excellent point before that you're almost delineating and some companies are putting them in separate businesses. Now, if I create a story or if I create the creative or if I create something and then it doesn't perform well, they're going to come back and say, hey, despite all your great talent, you didn't deliver mm. something that was effective. Whereas before I said, look, it was your white paper. It was your webinar. It was your ad. It's not my fault, or at least as a salesman, I could say that, right? Yeah. But now if I'm, if I'm controlling the entire creative process, I got to live and die by my own success. Mm. But I just find it very hard to communicate, especially to my client base, the intangible value is they don't understand what it means that a thousand people shared this story on LinkedIn when those thousand people are all in my case, supply chain executives at very yeah. high-ranking retail yeah. outlets. There is no more powerful 
um, community and voice than, than, than seeing that. Yeah. But I can't quantify that. Going back to what you were saying about the client providing the webinar, providing the content, how much do you struggle with trying to work with your clients to create content for the audience, not for them, I not have... for their tastes, their... Well, maybe one of the reasons <laughs> I have uh, you know a lot less money than Bloomberg is because I've turned away... I'm not saying he probably he probably turns away a lot too, but um, I turn away a lot of opportunities because you know people want to pay to play. Yeah, they want to pay to speak. They want to pay to do webinars that are really just you know sales pitches or their white papers are completely irrelevant. And since I have a paywall and I have a highly focused audience, if I jeopardize my brand, if I taint it, I have no business moving forward. So I struggle with this. This new model because if everyone wants branded content, branded content, where do I draw the line? If I publish 10 articles a day and a half of them are a glorified ad, if you will, people are not going to pay for that. Mm. So what is the right balance? Yeah. We talk a lot about trying to upend the system, meaning getting more creatives further upstream, um, getting closer to the brand – um, so hopefully working with the agency so we can get closer to the actual client and the brand itself to help inform that process so that they're not conceiving ideas and content that is just going to fall flat at the end of the day. And it, I mean, we struggle with it as well. It's an uphill, uphill struggle. Um, but that's what we are trying to get closer to getting more creatives upstream um, and ensuring that they inform every step of the process. There's no magic formula. It's got to be data and there's storytelling, like you said, Dahlia. It's, it's a combination of the maths and the magic that makes all of this work and it's just not tangible. Totally. More with Natasha right here on Content Is Your Business. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. This is Vikram Iyer former advisor to President Barack Obama. Have you been opening your Twitter account or Facebook feeds or even just talking to families and friends and wondering what the heck is going on in this country? Well, it's not as bad as you think, but we're going to unpack that for you. Join me at the American Enough podcast on the Mouth Media Network as we unpack the policies, executive orders, and daily kerfuffles that are shaping not just this administration, but the modern face of America's politics. Episodes available at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. Talent connects top brands and agencies with exceptional creative, marketing, and digital talent every day. Whether you're looking for the right position or to hire the very best talent, 24-7 boasts more than 500,000 vetted and interviewed freelance and full-time candidates. Experience the difference at 247talent.com. That's 24-S-E-V-E-N-talent.com. We are rolling out snack time, which is probably our favorite part of this show. And so Natasha was kind enough to bring us a snack for all of us to share. And it gives us a chance to break bread and get to know each other. What are we having today? Okay, so um, 
get ready for a little bit of England. Um, <laughs> so uh, there were a couple of other options on the table, but they didn't quite work out. One was uh, some scones with um, cream and jam, but I thought that was a little pretentious. Um, <laughs> the second one was a lovely cheese board, but I didn't think that would be very sociable given the smells. So you've ended up with some hobnobs. Ah. And for those that don't know, they are, in my household anyway, called chalky one-siders. And once you open them, you can't stop. And they are best dipped in tea. Um, and that's it, basically. Okay, good to know. You know how much tea I bought from Harrods last time I was in London? Harrods tea, not PG tips. 200 pounds worth, okay? I was stopped at immigration. <laughs> for who? Who were you buying for? For myself. For Excellent. Good man. You should take those home then. They thought I was like, you know, what? what Trafficking. Uh, well, it, that's, it looks like, you know, something else. We're not live right now, are we? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eddie, well, you're munching down over there. How is it? Is it Back to good? you, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> they can be a little gritty. <laughs> well, he's still eating it, so obviously you like it. <laughs> this is the, the, this is the breakfast of champions, all right? <laughs> You're missing the cup of tea. That's what you're missing. So next time you have to give us a heads up so that we can make sure that everybody has some tea with these. I missed a beat. <laughs> Don't, I, have the, I have the tea. I have uh, 200 pounds still left. Um, so we were talking about data before. And I think that especially in today's landscape, it's such a relevant topic. But how do you how do you kind of break down like what you're looking for? Because essentially when you think about it, there's so much data to be extracted. How do you make sense of it? Like do you start with a hypothesis and start building out from there? What does that look like on your end? Well, from where I sit, um, the question I'm all, all, always asking myself is why isn't the content better given that we've got so much data? But is it laziness or is it confusion? And I think it mostly comes down to confusion because big data doesn't necessarily mean smart data, right? It's hard. It's really, really hard, which is why these new executive level jobs are are, are happening in a lot of organizations, really trying to wrap their arms around what the data tells us. Um, but... You can talk about data as much as you like, but you still can't get away from the fact that you have to mix in a good amount of gut and common sense to create good content. So I think as long as you are approaching content, willing to learn from it and not just read into the data what you want to see and look at the data points that look good or appease the client or make the client smile as long as you're looking at it objectively and can test if you have the luxury to test great if you don't then you know perhaps that's where we need to build a better ecosystem in the industry because it's all about iteration it always has been and will continue to be so if you have the luxury of being able to test and then you can really walk away with some solid and actionable insights, sometimes those insights are actually more valuable than the content itself. I agree. Can you give us an example of one piece of insight that you've found uh, you've been able to extract and apply essentially? Well, it's tricky. We, Given the organizations we work with, um, many of them in the business and finance world, we have a ton of compliance issues. So data is not something I can share and, and would never want to step on the toes. But Eddie, maybe you're better set to answer that. Is there anything you could um, share? You know, kind of us? like I was saying before, it's it's 
it's we're seeing this become more and more relevant in our business um, is really twofold. I think the tech, the technology providers that we work with are much more data driven and they're looking at analytics. They're looking from a lead gener- generation perspective. How many new names did they get? How many people actually followed up? So I feel a lot more pressure there. Um, we work with a lot of trade organizations and trade shows, which, which for them they don't have in-house editors. They don't have in-house content creators. So because we're experts in our space, just as you guys are in the financial space and now almost every category, um, people rely on us to create content for them on their behalf. So we're acting in many ways. Um, we're ghostwriting. You know, we're creating recaps after trade shows. And this is globally that when the newsletter goes out or the website's updated every single day with thought leadership, it's really – they're hiring us to do it for them. So I don't know if you consider that traditional branded content, but I think mm-hmm. that's the evolution of a media company and how they're utilizing our resources just not for the typical publications that we create. Yeah. But how you measure that, for them, the success is that they need the content. They need something to serve to their social media channels. They need something to put in their daily emails. Then the metrics is up to them if they're successful or not. Um, but that's kind of you know to throw back the question to you a little bit is what I'm trying to struggle to understand – and what my partners and I and my editor and editors and I continually debate and is, is what does this look like from a financial perspective? Is this – everyone is doing this, you know, but is this going to be a profitable business strategy moving forward? And are brands going to be able to retain their editorial integrity and make money? So right now when you have a campaign, are you working with an agency the in-house uh, marketing people at a brand? Are you working with your – I mean how many hands is this touching? When you start looking at the cost, it's got to be ridiculous. Oh, it is. It absolutely is. And it's all of the above depending on the client obviously. Um, and we're under no illusion that we're going to get to the point where we are the only people that service the brand. Um, there's always going to be other players in the mix. and we, But we see that as good because as long as it's done in a collaborative and open way – more ideas on the table, the better. Um, and then it's up to the client what they want to then take on board. But in answer to your question, I don't know the answer to that. My sense is that with the collaborations that we're seeing, there are just going to be more and more partnerships across this space that can help drive efficiencies. Um, and that's something I've always tried to do with my businesses, you know, creating content at scale so that it can be leveraged at every point. Um, and it's hard. And it, as, as I said earlier, it's really expensive. And that's one of the key problems. Is the selling, uh, is, is selling point for you guys? I mean, we try to pitch ourselves as we know the business. We've all come from the business. We transitioned to media. I don't know why or how, but we did. And we understand our space. So do you go out to a client and say, we understand finance. We understand global economics. We're better suited to create a a media campaign for you than your quote-unquote 7th Avenue or Madison Avenue um, agency because we live and breathe this. Our editors understand this. They're in the trenches. And is that the idea is that you think it's going to be very niche-oriented where publishing houses that focus on X will really – do a deep dive into content around that. Like I don't see you all of a sudden creating campaigns for every category in the world. Are you going to really stick to your wheelhouse? And is that really the future 
this to really own a, a particular space. Whereas the agencies before, which from alcohol to spirits to to consumer products to automobile, I mean, it's just anything that they could get their hands on and put a, get a budget on, they would try to become experts in. Is is that yep. where the market is changing? Uh, in, in my opinion, it is. It's building a niche for yourself. Be number one at the stuff you can do best. Um, and just referring back to the consultancy model I was talking about earlier, they have practices, practice leads, and that's what we want to build out, whether it's automotive, retail, government, luxury even, as well as finance. finance. Um, we want to develop leads for those or those parts of the media organization that are so tapped in to our colleagues, our 2,700 journalists, Bloomberg Intelligence, Bloomberg New Energy Finance, Bloomberg Government, that they understand with a huge amount of depth really what that space is doing so that they truly can consult. They're not just guessing or touching the subject at surface level. So I think it's niche, but it's deep. So kind of hitting on like Eddie's question earlier, I think that we brought up a relevant part, like so essentially, if you're creating the content, how do you maintain the authenticity if the content is created by you, then it's aired by you, it's, it's tri- distributed by you? How does, how does that flow? But it might not be executed by us. So if we, if we get involved at a strategy level and there's an agency in the room, we understand that you know, we might not be the agency of record, we're not being asked to be the agency of record, but we can help strategize and solve, help solve problems for the client. And that's why we're there at that point. Further down the chain, if they would like to execute with us and activate with us, great, we can do that. Um, probably not as well as a lot of other people. I think we've got a long way to go there, but we do some great stuff. But it's ultimately up to the brand. We can service all the different layers, and we can do it separately. Piggybacking off of uh, the last question, how important is beyond your typical website, you know, um, uh, terminals, uh, mobile applications, is some of these social channels today? Obviously, being very focused on trade, do you see a lot of people coming to your site via, I mean, is Instagram or Twitter or Facebook an important way to deliver this branded content? Or create a brand presence for the brands you're working for? Creating a brand presence, yes, but we're not in it for the big plays. We don't necessarily have to be, um, given the the core business. Um, I think it's very important for us to be there, and everybody recognizes that, but auth- influence for us is much, much more important than popularity. Um, and so you're never going to see us driving, you know, really, really aggressive strategies on social media. Natasha, um, this is a pretty groundbreaking announcement for Bloomberg. Um, How long do you anticipate the transformation of this business model uh, taking place? I think it's going to continue to iterate for a long time. But, you know, the first aggressive move is to say we're doing it and get people in place. Um, That could take anything from six months to a year. Uh, but we have already hit the ground running. We've proved the model. Um, and so at Bloomberg, we like to build and fly at the same time. <laughs> and this right. is a very good example of that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Who should be concerned and who should be uh, optimistic right now? I think... what Company-wise and, and professionally-wise, like if you were sitting here and what advice would you give to people or, you know, who do you tell maybe go back to school and change your career? <laughs> In the workforce or the organization level? Both. <laughs> um, 
I would say to budding journalists, look right back at the basics of what journalism really is now, what content is now, and make sure you are skilled across the board um, and have those skills, keep them up to date and make sure you have an awareness and you have utility and can use all of the platforms that are playing because you know the the rate that this business and this sector is developing is only going to get faster so yeah journalists go back look at the um look at what it means also um for publishers starting out i think the publisher of the future needs to really think about having a full stack of not only content creation, the resources for content creation, they need to have the ability to productize all of that content and they need to distribute it. I mean, there's no way around that. And whether you do that through partnerships, which is more and more prevalent, um, and is uh, and the market is really, really receptive to it, especially because now what people want to see is the, you know, put a point of view out there, get a conversation going. We don't just want to see dry banner ads and, um, and display we, uh, you know, we want to engage and the advertisers and the publishers or whoever you are, you know, you're winning if you can entice this community, this audience to allow you to tap into them repeatedly for information, for thoughts, for participation um, and ultimately their insights. So I want to dig into two words you use. You said budding journalist and content. Content is being redefined. So before... The only way if you were a brand to get your message out, you would need to pitch a, a print publication, hope that they would you know, include you in some type of editorial spread, and you were at the mercy of a journalist to, to include you or a creative director to put you in a photo shoot. Today, you're competing against someone that may have a million followers on Instagram that travels around the world and gets paid to promote your product. So the journalist that may have two degrees – and is skilled at the art of writing, is competing against potentially a socialite flying around the world. How does that change the economics of the business? And how does that change how brands market? And how important is the written word? I mean, people can't even write an email. I don't even know. Mm. We're going to get to a point mm -hmm. where people can't even write or read. Or spell. Yeah. So so <laughs> is it is the – do you see a transformation? People will always need information and content. People will always need content. But is it – what are they going to be looking at? What are they going to be reading? You know, five years from now, is it just going to be looking at a picture with two words on it? Is email going to become obsolete mm -hmm. because we can't even read that much? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's funny because I actually want to respond to that. I, I don't agree at all. I think that we're we're still searching for stories. So if the photo enough, if the photo feels like it gives us enough of a story, then then two words is plenty. But if we don't get enough just from the photo, then there needs to be some form of context around it. I've read probably a maximum of about five to seven paragraphs on Instagram alone, just because they have enough to say. So I think that there's, there's this mindset of blogging, micro blogging, like we have the resources, it's just how you want to tell your story. And I think that to go back to the the people that are on Instagram traveling around the world with a million followers, 
they have to stay true to themselves. So if a brand aligns with them and their lifestyle, then maybe it's a good fit in terms of product placement. But when it comes to media, it's still we as brands, they need to live where the content lives. So where the content lives and where their audience is uh, focusing. So if they're spending their time consuming content in the morning and listening to the radio, then that's where the audience, that's where the actual advertisers needs to be. If they are sitting on Instagram for majority of the day, kind of like, uh, like, consuming snack bites of social media, then that's another angle that they need to adapt to. But I don't think it's one or the other. I just think, how does this live in your marketing slash content plan, right? Well, when Bloomberg started, you know, or any of these legacy companies started, the barrier to entry was significant. You needed a mm-hmm. lot of capital and you needed a lot of infrastructure. Today, with one hour WordPress and you know a keyboard, you're an independent publisher. And if you are savvy and can build an audience, now you know that that's a that's a gift and an art and a science and maybe a little bit of luck. But if you aggregate all of these, it's the long tail, right? All of these little players. If you aggregate the sum of them, they're taking away not necessarily dollars. They're taking away time spent. You know, it was interesting. I heard someone once say that, you know. Bloomberg may be competing with Facebook, maybe competing with Netflix. And someone would say, well, how is that possible? Because at the end of the night, if I have one hour of time before I go to sleep, am I watching House of Cards? Am I looking at you know, my friend's babies on Facebook? Or am I reading what's happening in the world in Bloomberg? And really, when you think about it, we're all competing for time. Mm. So is the or ba- we, or And you're probably doing great at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how, do, how does the role of the independent publisher – whether it's microblogging or Instagram or social media, how does this all play into like again, I go back to the the commerce side of this. This is if affecting that the bigger organizations have so have to invest so much money to stay relevant. If you don't keep people in bureaus all around the world doing the investigative journalism that you're doing, you're no longer Bloomberg. If you don't employ thousands of, of technology, you know, um, uh, programmers and and people to create new innovations in the space, you're not going to have a terminal that's relevant. But economically speaking, is these new upstarts creating a lot of disruption and problems for large organizations today? I think the answer has got to be kind of yes, because it's it's what the ecosphere is becoming. You know, the young, hot startup um, – you touched on a point of the kind of the cost of entry into business these days is so much more is so much cheaper and more accessible right the rate of change is so much faster and it's only accelerating um and so if legacy organizations large legacy organizations can't keep up with the nimble and the agile smaller companies yes we will fail it'll just take probably a little bit longer because there's more in reserve but we have to keep keep watch and not necessarily participate as as soon as we can, but we do have to take risks. And I think it's all about being willing to take risks and try to behave like a startup. Um, Although we have to understand who our audience is, who our clients are, and understand the value that we attain, that we put towards them. You know, whether you're a subscription of any kind, whether you're Netflix, um, whether you're Amazon Prime, whether you're Bloomberg Terminal, there's a value we have on every single customer. Um, And how we value that, that's probably changing, especially in the content space, because 
there, you know, the rate at which people renew is different on both Netflix and Amazon. You, you know, so totally different in business model, very different margins, but it really comes down to how they're valued. And it's the individual user. More personal information in a minute. But before we do, I know that social media is such an important facet of us as people. So how does that relate to back to the business? Like how much information do you think people should be sharing, not sharing? What should their social media look like in terms of their personal branding? Well, you've got to be authentic to yourself, obviously, but... The fact is, there is no separation between professional and personal life these days. It's the first place most recruiters go. Lisa can speak to that, but it's also the first place I go if I'm ever looking at a CV. Um, and so it's critical that you just don't put yourself out there as disruptive, depending on what organization you're joining. In a news organization, you're not going to write about politics in a way that is inflammatory and you just want to avoid those tweet storm sensitive hotspots, um, whatever platform you're on. Um, sorry. Unless you want to be president. Unless you want to be president. <laughs> so it's very, very important. We're going to get into some personal questions and stories with our guests. That and more right after this. You can follow us on social media at Content Biz Show. That's Content B-I-Z Show. And episodes are available on our website, contentisyourbusiness.com, and wherever the best podcasts are found. You can also check out all of the other Mouth Media Network shows at mouthmedianetwork.com. We're going to get more personal and think about the stories behind the storytellers. Um, we have no idea what any of our co-hosts are going to ask or in what order. So we determine the order by choosing the numbers between 1 and 20 and the closest match to a random number wins. So, Eddie, Lisa, pick a number between 1 and 20. I'm going for 15. 6. Okay. And I picked 19. <laughs> so we're going to power up the random number generator and make a selection. And the first number is... Fourteen. Who won? So I think that was Lisa, right? I think that's 15. me, right? So I'm up. All right, Natasha, you're from London. Just tell us a little bit. I know you have two little ones, and um, your husband works, and you obviously work full time. And being a full time mom working, just tell us a little bit about like your your day to day and how you manage. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So we have an amazing nanny. Mm -hmm. That's kind of really what it comes down to. But I'm just super organized. If you can get get yourself together and be organized, it's it's a barrel of laughs. It's great. Natasha, I'm sure you're going to need a holiday after this. So <laughs> when's your next holiday and where are you going? Well, I think we are going to try to get away in a couple of weeks for just an end of summer Sand cast, castle building expedition out to Fire Island, hopefully where the hordes of New York are not crowding the beach. But um, so <laughs> I don't think my, I don't fancy my chances. Well, enjoy. Thank you. So I guess we're going to power up that random number generator again. 
Number seven. I, I didn't even cheat this time. So. <laughs> um, my question is, and you cannot use the answer, the content trap, mm-hmm. is what book would you recommend reading to all of the uh, industry folks out there that want to learn a little bit about what's going on in the world of content, media, tech, the intersection of all three? <laughs> I just read the content <laughs> trap and I think it was phenomenal. I think everyone should read, I it. read it. Even if you're good? not in the, it, yep. even if you're not in this industry, there you, go. That's you gotta they read, should read. You gotta read that book. But what would you recommend reading? Um, well, sadly, most of my reading these days. Doctor Seuss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty you much. Too? <laughs> pretty much. Or articles quickly scrolled through on my phone. Um, but content trap. I need to read that. You and do. I'm going to recommend that everybody listening to this reads that. An amazing book. <laughs> I must have bought 10 copies already for oh, my really? fr- friends Thanks. and colleagues. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so I guess process of elimination. I get to ask a question now. So let's say somebody is aspiring for your position. What would you recommend the right route to, to start on that path? Obviously not to replace you, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, Lisa touched on this earlier. It kind of really doesn't matter where you come from these days. Um, if you've got the experience, enthusiasm and the skills, no matter how or where you glean them, you you can do it. Um, Bloomberg is a very entrepreneurial and merit-based organization. So you can go as far and wide as you like, really. So somebody would just come to the company and say, I want to create a position for myself here. How does that work? It takes a little time. but <laughs> No, but I mean, my path, it was, well, it's probably not like anyone else's I work with. So I started as a photographer, um, as I said, working in conflict zones, quickly, well, realized after about 10 years that I was better at managing teams and managing coverage and managing content than I ever was going to be as a photographer, I was never going to be a world press winner. Um, and then from there was able at Bloomberg to really have a ball building a business out of something that was considered a lost leader. So just showing initiative and getting ahead of what questions might be, what the business might need and experimenting. Um, so the will, a willingness to take those risks and be bold, I think is absolutely what will set you apart. And do you think more companies are receptive to building entrepreneurs? I do. I really do. And I think they have to. Yeah. So stories often end with a final thought and we ask our guests to share one with the audience. Reflecting on our conversation today on the content overall or even the work you do personally, any final thoughts that you could share with our listeners? Yes. Thank you, uh, Dahlia. I'd love to share a final thought. My, My take on digital transformation actually intersects quite nicely with how I've described lessons from the war zone that I've gleaned and how I've applied them to building a career. And and I thought it'd be quite fun to add them on here because I think it, it just completely sums up the situation this industry is in right now. Um, and it falls into four sections. And the first one is organizations have to keep their head up. You know, as a photographer in a war zone, keeping your head up sounds slightly counterintuitive because it's the quickest way to get shot in the head. But if you don't look up, you just miss so much around you and you cannot miss a second right now. Um, Second one is know your surroundings. So from the bottom up, know at every stage, whether it's a platform, whether it's platforms or whether it's, it's content, really what the landscape looks like. Um, 
Thirdly, don't rely on translators. Make sure you get in there at all of these startups and get your nose under the hood. Don't rely on canned demos and um, conferences to really impart all the information because there's always there, there will be nuggets of a business, if not the whole whole business that the startup is trying to launch that may have the ability to really boost your own organization. And thirdly is, you know, think on your feet. You've just got to be nimble. Stay nimble, stay agile, stay authentic, and you'll do great. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. <laughs> Let's say somebody wants to get in touch with you after the show. Do you recommend email, contacting Bloomberg directly, social Absolutely. media? Um, LinkedIn or Twitter. Absolutely. Would love to hear from anyone. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for such a great interview. Thank you so much for coming in and really like giving us all that expertise and advice. Um, we really appreciate you spending the time with us today. Thank you for having me. That was Natasha Charlton Brown from Bloomberg. That's it for this episode of Content is Your Business Today. We appreciate you being a part of this with us. And until next time, for Eddie Hertzman. Don't call, don't text, don't write. <laughs> and Lisa Berger. And Natasha, thank you very much for your time today. Great to see you. You too. My name's Dahlia Strom. We look forward to hearing your story next time. You've been listening to Content Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for this show or to become a sponsor, email us at contentshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Content Biz Show. That's Content B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, contentisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network and brought to you by 24-7 Talent. Connect with the best talent at 247talent.com. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.